My name is Brian Knight, and welcome to the first Tell a Friend podcast of 2019. So for some of you new listeners, I'll begin by explaining the format of the show. So the show will begin with a segment called Run the News. This will be a segment where I discuss the week's recent headlines in both politics and popular culture. I will then move on to a segment called Be Better, which will be where I call out people for acting a bit recklessly and moving a bit mad, any personal institution who has been problematic the previous week. After that, I'll move on to a segment called What Went Well, which will be praising people for anything positive that they've done. And I'll finish off presenting the title segment called Tell a Friend, which will be where I explain what the take-home message is for that particular week. All the segments are self-explanatory, so you'll pick the style up very quickly. So let's jump right in. This week has been full of headlines, and I really had a plethora of headlines to work with. So I'll start with an interview I watched with the leaders of the Women's March. So in an interview with American daytime talk show The View, Tamika Mallory and Bob Bland went on to discuss the Women's March movement and also to address recent controversies surrounding the leaders and their accusations of being anti-Semitic. Now, this controversy erupted when Tamika Mallory attended an event last year where the leader of the Nation of Islam, Minister Louis Farrakhan, made anti-Semitic remarks. Mallory even posted an Instagram post of herself and Farrakhan in which she wrote, Thank God this man is still alive and doing well. He is definitely the GOAT. Now, for those of you who don't know, GOAT stands for greatest of all time. Mallory's association with the minister is problematic due to Farrakhan's blatantly anti-Semitic and homophobic remarks, including calling Jewish people satanic and also calling them termites. Mallory defended herself by stating that just because you go into a space with someone doesn't mean you agree with everything that they say. She also said that her GOAT caption was referencing Farrakhan's work in black communities. Now, I had a lot of problems with this interview. As Mallory seemed unwilling to unequivocally condemn Farrakhan's comment, it seemed as if she was dancing around the subject, almost trying to avoid offending Farrakhan. The minister is no stranger to controversy, trust me. Farrakhan has been accused of being involved in Malcolm X's death. He has also praised Adolf Hitler's leadership in Germany. And, well, he's been called out for almost every form of prejudice out there. Now, I truly, truly support the Women's March and their goals of protecting the rights of women and other marginalised groups, and also their goals uh, and their aims to campaign for equality and human rights policies. With that said, I think Tamika Mallory's interview this week on The View was a completely missed opportunity. This controversy is hanging above the movement, and the leaders really need to evaluate whether their personal controversies are helping or hindering the Women's March. Now, the third annual Women's March was set to take place on the 19th, so Saturday the 19th. And again, I really think that Tamika Mallory needs to ask herself whether her association with the minister is affecting the aims of the Women's March movement. Now on to UK news. Diane Abbott has accused BBC Question Time of encouraging racial abuse and bullying towards her during her appearance on Thursday's BBC Question Time. A spokesman for Abbott said that a hostile atmosphere was whipped up by reports of inappropriate and sexist commentary in the audience warm-up session before the show. Momentum, a leftist campaign group, even demanded an official apology be made after the host Fiona Bruce and guest Isabel Oakshaw interrupted and attempted to correct Diane Abbott on polling data. It turned out that the polling data which Diane Abbott had made was in fact true. Now, one cannot deny the excessive and worrying levels of abuse that Diane Abbott has had to endure over the past few years. Rhetoric in general has really coarsened greatly. 
Last year, I wrote an article all about civility and politics, and I drew on the examples of Republican Steve Scalise, who was shot at a baseball match, Joe Cox, and also Democrat Gabrielle Giffords. All three of these people had been attacked because of coarsened rhetoric that had been allowed. And I really questioned the role that the media plays, the role that we play as society, and also the role that other politicians play. I really think that we need to rethink the way that we approach politicians and maybe start respecting them a bit more. So another headline across the pond, US Representative Steve King of Iowa has come under fire for comments he made appearing to defend white supremacy. In an interview with the Times last week, Mr. King said, white nationalists, white supremacists, Western civilization? How did that language become so offensive? Now, many Republicans, such as Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, have condemned King's comment, and McCarthy even said that he was not ruling out supporting an official reprimand of King. Steve King has already lost his committee seat, and he's already been stripped of official assignments over these remarks. King has a history of making racist remarks and anti-immigrant statements, but it's only this week that members of his own party have really turned on him. Okay, to give you context on Steve King, in 2005, Mr. King sued the Iowa Secretary of State for posting voting information on an official website in Spanish, Bosnian, and Vietnamese. In 2013, King opposed the legal status of DREAMers, who are undocumented immigrants who were brought to the USA as children, and King stated that for everyone who's a valedictorian, there's another hundred out there that weigh 130 pounds and have got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert. So we can see King is a very problematic individual. Now, despite his racist remarks in the past, King says that he was misinterpreted in the interview. The White House even condemned Steve King's comments as being abhorrent. I think the Republicans are eager to clear the party of the racist label that many have attributed to them. And the White House condemning these statements, you know, may appear somewhat hypocritical due to the president, President Trump's many comments, including in the Charlottesville uh, riots when he said that there were very fine people on both sides during a clash between neo-Nazis and anti-racist protesters. So for the White House condemning them, whilst they may have thought this would give them brownie points, it really shines the light on their wrongdoing in the past. Okay, in other news, moving on to Africa. In Kenya, 21 people are known to have died after Somali militants stormed the hotel compound in Nairobi, according to Kenya's government. A 19-hour siege of the Dusit D2 Hotel, I really hope I'm saying that right, last Tuesday. Now, terror group Al-Shabaab have said that they are behind the attack. There was also outrage over photos that were posted by the New York Times. Now, the photos were victims from the attack, and many Kenyans started questioning the reasoning behind showing such graphic images. And many of them were questioning whether such graphic images would have been used had it been a Western country that had been attacked. And uh, on Twitter, there were a lot of people posting pictures of the reporting of the 9-11 attack and reporting of terror attacks in Paris and drawing parallels between how graphic the photos in the New York Times of Kenya were. Now, this led to a Twitter hashtag to deport the reporter, Kamiko, So a lot of people had a lot of problems with this. Now, if I put myself in the shoes of the New York Times, it is important that they show people the severity of the attack and they really draw home how serious the attack was and how catastrophic it was for the victim. But at the same time, 
I do have to side with the Kenyans in saying that the media has double standards when it comes to the way that they they report Africa and the dignity that they allow Africans in their report. Okay, now Zimbabwe. There have been nationwide strikes across Zimbabwe and there have also been huge protests over living costs and an increase in fuel price. Fuel prices have dramatically increased. Diesel has increased from $1.36 per litre to $3.11 per litre. I mean, ridiculously high prices. Many complain that they are unable to get to work. This has given rise to a black market where people have been illegally storing and selling fuel. This is a consequence of vast hyperinflation over the past decade and political instability. The current president, Mnangagwa, who only ousted Robert Mugabe last year, is a very divisive and controversial figure. He's even gotten the moniker the crocodile due to his reputation of being severe and brutal in his leadership. The Zimbabwean government has blocked social media sites including Facebook, Twitter and WhatsApp. This has led to many fearing that the government are attempting to prevent news of their retaliation to the protesters reaching international media. The government have claimed that they're trying to crack down on the violent protests, hence why they blocked social media sites. There had been a total internet shutdown, but now it's only social media sites that remain blocked. Okay, what else happened this week? Well, in the world of entertainment, Gladys Knight, Motown singer, R&B singer, was attacked on Twitter because she decided to take up an offer to perform the American National Anthem at the Super Bowl. Now, with the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, taking a knee controversy that's been going on throughout the year, many black performers have decided to cancel the Super Bowl and not perform because they don't want to be helping the NFL. Okay, now I'm going to move on to Be Better. So today marks the 29th day of the government shutdown. This is the longest shutdown in US history. So briefly, I'll explain. Every year, Congress has to pass funding for the government and the president has to sign it off. Trump wants funding for the wall, but the Democrats, who have majority control of the House of Representatives, won't give funding for the wall. Trump is seeking over $5 billion for the physical wall, which, to remind you, he did say Mexico were going to pay for during the 2016 election campaign. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had sent a public letter to the president asking him to postpone the State of the Union address, which is the annual message by the president in the congressional building. Pelosi had made this request out of concern for the safety of attendees as many government agencies, including security agencies, are currently shut down. In retaliation, President Trump postponed Pelosi's business trips to Brussels and Afghanistan and suggested that she takes a commercial aeroplane instead. Pelosi's trip was postponed just hours before she was due to board the government aircraft. In a letter to Pelosi, Trump wrote, I also feel that during this period, it would be better if you were in Washington negotiating with me and joining the strong border security movement to end the shutdown. Trump labelled her planned trips as public relations event. Now, Pelosi's deputy chief of staff replied on Twitter stating that the trips were meant to be a gesture of appreciation to the men and women serving on the front lines. But because it was a long flight, it required a stopover in Brussels. Now, this shutdown, in my opinion, has gone on for far too long. Many workers are seriously struggling with not being able to pay their bills. Neither Democrats nor Republicans are coming out of this looking good. Shut down the highly, highly unpopular measures to take. The president has numerous avenues which he could explore in order to reopen the government. He could declare a national emergency and bypass Congress with his presidential powers. He could also reopen the government whilst negotiations take place. He could compromise with Democrats and end the shutdown. But it's very important that we also remember that the Democrats also have the ability to end the shutdown by giving him funding for the war. 
Many people are afraid, though, that if the Democrats do cave in and give him funding, then the next time he wants to introduce one of his unpopular policies, then he will just shut down the government and expect the Democrats to give in again. US Coast Guard even told its employees to consider having a garage sale, selling unwanted items or becoming a secret shopper during the shutdown. This, in my view, was highly offensive to the employees. Whilst government employees are affected, politicians will still be paid during the shutdown. And, you know, it makes one wonder whether a deal would be reached sooner if politicians involved were actually affected by the shutdown that they're causing. To the president, I urge him to be better and refrain from childlike retaliation in such serious time. Both Democrats and Republicans need to reach out across the aisles and reach a deal. This shutdown is not only devastating for government employees, but it's also highly costly to the American economy. There's actually an Instagram post I saw yesterday of George W. Bush handing out pizza to security staff who were affected by the shutdown. Now, this is a kind gesture, but unfortunately, people can't pay their bills with pizza. So we're going to need Democrats and Republicans to come together and find a way of ending the shutdown and finding a compromise. Okay, now I'm going to move on to what went well. Missy Elliott was inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Now, this means that she becomes the first female hip-hop artist to be inducted. Now, she's written many of our favorite hits. Well, I say our favorite hits, my favorite hits, and is extremely talented. She wrote hits such as Get Your Freak On, which I'm sure you've all heard of, Work It, and One Two Step with Ciara. She even wrote one of my favorite gospel tracks called Higher Ground. People don't realize how many songs of different genres she actually writes. She's a very, very talented individual. So, you know, I thought that that's a what went well. I'm very happy for her. Okay, now I'm going to move on to the concluding segment, the title segment, Tell a Friend. Tell a friend of the importance of honoring their values. Tell a friend to speak out against any form of injustice, even if they're not directly involved or directly affected. And tell a friend that it's very important to be aware of what's going on in the news around the world. I think it's such a shame when people prefer to remain in a state of ignorance rather than educating themselves on current affairs. You know, many times I see on Twitter people saying, oh, how come the news doesn't report this? Well, I really think you can't expect the news to spoon feed you information. You have to go out there and you have to look. There's so many reputable news sources out there that will give you balanced and international news. So I think it's up to us to, you know, take it upon ourselves to actually educate ourselves on it. That was just a mini rant on my behalf. Well, that is pretty much a wrap for the show. So remember, if you like the show... What are you going to do? You're going to tell a friend, of course. And if you didn't like the show, well, you clearly weren't listening. So go back, listen again, enjoy. Bye. Mm-hmm.